So about 1,500 years ago, the emperor of Rome, the most powerful man in the world, uh, lost his daughter and uh, kind of an unexpected death. And in honor of his daughter, um, he decided to, to build uh, a huge structure um, that was the narthex of a church for her in her honor. And on the ceiling of this church was this beautiful mosaic uh, piece of art that he created. And, uh, and it was uh, kind of renowned for its beauty and creativity. It was kind of like state-of-the-art technology and art as they had created this mosaic on a ceiling. And uh, it was a really big deal. Um, it has been preserved over the last 1,500 years. And today it's called the Mausoleum of Gala Placidia. That's my Italian. You can go to Italy and you can actually see this uh, piece of art and the structure is still in place. If you're visiting and you go and you see uh, uh, this uh, mausoleum, uh, what you'll find is that inside of this building, it's really dark. They don't let any light in. Part of it is how they've been able to preserve the beauty of the color that's on the ceiling of this mosaic. And part of it is uh, the experience. And so if you're visiting as a tourist and you're inside this building, It'll be completely dark. You won't be able to see what's on the ceiling. But what happens is uh, people who uh, know, uh, kind of have been there before, who work there, every now and then will drop a coin into this box that illuminates uh, the ceiling. And so these lights will flash on straight up into the ceiling, and you'll be able to see this mosaic for like three to five seconds. And then it goes pitch black again, and as your eyes aren't able to adjust, it's even darker than it was before. And so if you're there for an hour, you might have someone drop a coin into this box and see the illumination flash uh, maybe three or four times in an hour. And so you are waiting with anticipation to see this beautiful piece of art that is hidden in the shadows, the ceiling of this building. Uh, the writer Sky Jathani, the author Sky Jathani, talks about his experience going and seeing this. And he said, there's nothing really like it. It's, it's this old technology that just uh, basically stimulates your senses as you see this unbelievable, beautiful mosaic up on the ceiling with all of these different colors, with all of these different things happening. And you see it so quickly that you, you see something new every single time. The beauty is hidden in the shadows, and all of a sudden it's illuminated in a flash, and you can see what's really above you. Sky Jathani talks about this experience, and he says, um, Sky Jathani is this, this pastor, he talks about this, this light of this flash of illumination revealing the beauty that's there, and he says, uh, this is much like the world that we live in. There's beauty all around us in the creation of the world. And from great tragedy and brokenness, God is creating unbelievable beauty in our world, but it's hidden in the shadows. And he says to be a part of the church, to be a part of this group of people who claim they're the body of Christ, is to illuminate these shadows, to reveal the beauty that's there, even if it's just flashes. So when a church comes together and decides to live out the teachings of Jesus and be a part of what is what we would call the kingdom of God, where things happen exactly as God plans here on earth, we start to catch these flashes of the beauty that is in the world around us. And it starts individually inside of our own soul to be a part of a church, to be a part of this 
story of what God is doing in the world is to illuminate the beauty that's inside of us, to see flashes of what's hidden in the darkness and the brokenness. But also in a community, a church illuminates a community and reveals the beauty that is there. We believe that uh, as followers of Jesus, humans are created in the image of God. And God said that we are good. And God cares about us so much that he would die for us. He loves us that much. That's how valuable we are. Hidden in the shadows of the darkness of this world is unbelievable beauty, much like this mosaic. And as a church, as a new church in this community, as we think about who we want to be, what we want to do, who we want to reach, who we want to connect, we want to illuminate the darkness to reveal the beauty that is here in the Desert Ridge area, in the North Phoenix area, and throughout the city and throughout the world. We want to be a part of this movement that, that flashes light into the darkness because we believe that this world is good, that God hasn't given up on it. At its best, a church is God's assault on evil in the world. So that's a really cool responsibility, that to be a part of a church is to join this story where God is basically assaulting evil. It's his resistance this group of people who are committed to doing the things that God has done through Jesus is at its best. And we all know that churches um, aren't always firing on all cylinders. They're not always at their best. But when a church is at its best, it's this countercultural resistance to evil and oppression and brokenness in our world. And that's what we're doing here as we start this church. We want to be an assault on evil. We want to illuminate the darkness to reveal the beauty that God has created in each one of us individually and corporately as a community. So we've been um, forming and organizing and pulling together this group of people to, to start this church. And over the last six weeks, we've been going through the book of Acts, kind of just studying um, this book that is in the New Testament that takes place after the Gospels of Jesus and Acts covers the activity of the early church after the resurrection of Jesus. And the book of Acts talks about this is basically what the church did as it grew in influence, and this is how it spread out, and these are the stories of what happened that gave the church influence. And so if we look through this book, there's these different themes that start popping up in the book of Acts that the, the early church was committed to. They would be really good at certain things in the world and the community as they were flashing light into the darkness. What we find is if you just kind of scan out from Acts and you kind of look at these phrases as you go through these different stories in Acts chapter 2, you find 3,000 are added to their day, or added, added uh, to their number. In Acts chapter 2, it says, the Lord, the Lord adds daily those who are joining in. In Acts chapter 4, they grow to 5,000. In Acts chapter 5, there's this story where um, more and more are added to their number. And then Acts chapter 6, there's a phrase where it says that this, this message that the church had spread and it increased rapidly and a large number were added to, their num- to, to, their, uh, to the church. Acts chapter 9, many people joined. Acts chapter 11, after Stephen, uh, we talked about Stephen a few weeks ago, was martyred. Um, this group of people that are connected with him, go out into the world, and a great number believe and are turned uh, towards, uh, towards Jesus. 
Um, a great number come in Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 12 increase and spread in Acts chapter 14. A great number are added in Acts chapter 14. They win a large number. You guys are starting to see a theme in some of these words. Every chapter, there's, there's one phrase that talks about there's this gathering of people. And when we think about the words that are found, if you go to this next slide, throughout the book of Acts, these words added and grew and spread and increased great number, one, many. There's this theme that all of these stories in each chapter, you have this phrase where they are expanding and growing in influence because they're flashing light into the darkness of the world. They're assaulting evil and oppression. We look at these different acts that they're doing where there's community that's forming. They're feeding the hungry. Um, They're taking care of the sick. Um, They're bringing life and truth to communities. They're offering this alternative kingdom to the oppressive kingdom of Rome, and it spreads like crazy. And what we find, go to the next slide, that in 120, right about the time Jesus died, there's, or in 30 AD, there's about 120 people who are part of this movement that are following Jesus. And 350 years later, there's over 33 million of these followers of Jesus that are a part of this church who are bringing light to the darkness, who are assaulting evil. It spreads like crazy. Um, One of the things when we talk about kind of numbers, and numbers is always important to kind of measure, you know, organization's impact or a church's impact. One of the reasons we want to spread is we believe this, that a church, a church is where God gathers people into himself uh, for the world. And God is gathering people around uh, this common mission to send out into the world. And so our hope is, as we kind of uh, start to form community here, is we want to grow and influence and gather people to this common cause so that they can be sent into the world. We believe that is what a church does. It's able to gather people and then empower those people uh, to be the body of Christ throughout the week. We want to be a church that multiplies, much like the church in the book of Acts. It multiplies our influence and multiplies who we are, disciples of Jesus. Uh, We're told as followers of Jesus uh, that we should go into all the world and make disciples. A disciple is someone who follows. uh, For for the first disciples, they followed Jesus. Jesus was his teacher. They tried to learn everything they could about him, become like him, and then they were to make disciples disciples who are to make disciples, and so on. And so this influence grows. It's based on this discipleship becoming like Jesus. Uh, When you see the expansion of the church in the book of Acts, and you see all of these phrases like numbers were added daily, and they spread, and they won more people to it, um, we haven't really seen anything like that in history, a a movement that grew that quickly uh, with the church. Probably the closest thing that we've seen is what has happened in communist China over the last 50, 60 years. Some statistics say that when when China became communist in 1948, there were somewhere around 8 million Christians living in that country. And then 50 years later, when missionaries were allowed to go back in, they would say that it grew from anywhere to to 60 to 80 million in a 50-year time span. Unbelievable growth that happened in, uh, in communist China. Here in America, we don't really see if any, uh, growth in the church. If anything, it seems like we're declining, like we're in the backwaters of you know, the great revival movements that 
how the church spread out through our, our country. The church has lost influence. We've gained a negative reputation. And, uh, and it doesn't seem like we, we see that kind of growth that we see in the book of Acts. One of the things that uh, a lot of, of, of analysts would say when you look, talk about the church uh, here in America is that uh, because we're kind of in the backwater of these great revival movements, uh, it's almost a post-Christian culture. And when you look at in the, the Roman Empire, it's, it's a pre-Christian culture. People have never heard this message of God's love. And so there's no strings attached. There's no baggage to it. It's a refreshing, refreshing message. And in China, these people have never heard uh, the story of, of, of the gospel of God's love uh, for the world through Jesus. And so it's a pre-Christian culture, and they're responding to it, and there's no baggage. And here in America, the church has all sorts of baggage with our message. We want to talk about love. We want to talk about being light and darkness. We want to talk about assaulting evil. Um, but there's all sorts of kind of history that we have to work through and how the church has treated culture because the church is made up of people and people are broken. But it doesn't stop us from trying to spread and influence and trying to assault evil in this world. We want to be a church that continues to grow. Um, when we think about kind of our approach here uh, at, in Desert City and Desert Ridge, um, our strategy would be uh, we want to be very relational. We want to be very simple. We want to keep the main thing the main thing, which is Jesus, and, uh, and connect with each other, create meaningful connections. But part of our uh, being here over this last year is we're trying to understand what are the rhythms of this neighborhood? What is the culture? What does it take to reach the culture here? What we found is that there's a lot of families. There's a lot of children. We have tons of children uh, in the hallway, out in the classrooms. Uh, there's also a lot of broken families uh, that are in this community. There's a lot of people that are just really, really busy with work and activities, and they have options. Uh, but we've been learning as a community what, uh, what it's like to live in North Phoenix. And we want to be as strategic as we can with this message of God's love um, so that we're able to grow and influence and increase. We want to be a church that multiplies. I think... When we look through the book of Acts and we look at the spread of, of Christianity throughout the Roman Empire, there are marks of a church that multiplies that are true in Acts and are also true for us today. Um, and the first thing is uh, that a church that multiplies its influence is able to do that because it's, un it's united around this common mission. There's a common cause that we all say we're on board with. And at Desert City, our common mission, and I think the common mission of the early church was simply Jesus. Jesus was the mission. And the message was that God loved the world so much that Jesus comes into it to save the world. And that is our mission. We want to be a Jesus church. We want to be a Jesus church. In Colossians, there's this beautiful poem that talks about who this Jesus figure is. And it says that the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. If we want to know what God is like, we look at Jesus. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This idea that this Jesus figure paints us this picture of what God is like. 
So when we look at Jesus, we see God. He's the image of the invisible God. And the church, one of the phrases that is called is the body of Christ. We are now this physical body that represents Jesus here and now. And the mission of any church is this message of Jesus. Jesus is the mission. We want to be a Jesus people, a Jesus church. So every single thing that we do revolves around who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what Jesus is now doing through us as a church. So in Acts chapter 1, when the church first kind of starts out, um, Jesus tells them, you are to be my witnesses in this world. And they have their mission, to be a witness of what Jesus has done. So for the early church, Jesus, for them, it wasn't just about knowledge of who he is, but it was out in an actual experience and encounter. They were a witness of experience, the living Christ here on earth. And so as a church, we're united around this mission of Jesus. The second thing is that a multiplying church, um, multiplying church is empowered by the spirit of God. So in Acts chapter one, when he says that you're to be my witnesses here uh, and in, in, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, and he gives them this mission, um, he says, but wait for my spirit to empower you. So a church that is uh, growing in influence is always empowered by the spirit of God. So week chap- in, in week two, we talked about this idea how, how God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, empowers us, it strengthens us, it guides us. Um, and we want to be a presence-driven church. Everything we want to do, we want to have these meaningful encounters with God through his Holy Spirit. We want to be united on mission of being witnesses of Jesus, and we want to be empowered by the Spirit um, to be the church. We want to be a presence-driven church. We talked about there's, there's fruit of that Spirit. There's evidence of that Spirit, and it's love, and it's joy, and it's peace, and it's patience, and it's kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And those are things that have to be uh, evident in our community. Are we a people of love? Are we a people of joy? Are we a people of peace? When the Spirit's empowering us, we see that fruit in our relationships and also in our impact on the community. So multiplying church is empowered by the Spirit. Uh, The third thing is that a multiplying church lives in meaningful community. We find in Acts is that these people are opening up their homes, they're eating together, they're doing things like going to Culliver's and, uh, and having ice cream, the proverbial Culliver's and Acts, I don't know what that was. But they're, they're opening up their homes, they're eating together, they're spending time together, they're in relationship with one another. And so we talked about how uh, throughout the New Testament, you have these one another passages uh, that these, uh, the church has instructions on how they're to live with one another. So they're supposed to love one another and share with one another and uh, carry one another and um, uh, confess to one another and encourage one another. There's all these different one another passages. And so part of the reason we have a 10-minute break in the middle of our service is uh, how are we living life with one another? Are we actually in meaningful community, which takes a long time to develop? Are we starting to get to know each other and what's going on in each other's lives? Are we able to be vulnerable? Are we able to open up? Are we able to share and carry each other? A multiplying church lives in meaningful community. 
They know what's going on in each other's lives. I think this is something that's extremely difficult uh, in our fast-paced culture that's very individualistic, having meaningful connections, um, meaningful connections that are centered around uh, this message of God's love. And our hope is that, uh, that, that each one of you out there uh, are connected to others in some way, that you're growing in relationships with other people. And, uh, and I know it's hard to do, and I know in a city like Phoenix, it's very transient. It's really difficult to do. Are we living life with one another? Are we having meaningful connections? A church that multiplies does that. Um, meaningful connections happen uh, over time. They don't happen uh, overnight. Sometimes they do. Um, but we have to be intentional about how we interact with one another. We have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to be willing to open up our homes. We have to be willing to go to other people's homes. But how we're living life with each other uh, is very important. And for the early church, healthy community was a catalyst for growth. And it is today, too, being relational. Uh, The fourth mark uh, for a church is a multiplying church overcomes hardship together. Overcomes hardship together. Uh, together. We want to be a justice church. We believe that we live in a world uh, that's full of brokenness, that's full of trials and tribulations, that's full of dysfunction. And, uh, and we want to be a part of, uh, of overcoming all of those things. As a church, we're assaulting evil in its many forms. We want to be a church that is able to uh, look out for each other uh, through the hardships of life and also look out for the community through the hardships the community goes through. Um, I live uh, in this church is in the suburbs, and uh, oftentimes we think that the suburbs, you know, no bad things happen, no crime happens. Um, one of my wife's favorite shows that I may or may not have watched was Desperate Housewives, and if you've seen it, um, you know that it's a, it's a, a neighborhood street that's in the suburbs, and like all hell breaks loose all the time. And uh, a lot of people would say it's actually kind of this reflection on society, that, that no matter if you're an urban dweller or you're in the suburbs, there's brokenness and dysfunction all around us. Um, just a couple of weeks ago in my neighborhood, uh, we, had, we had a terrible shooting um, where in which five people uh, were, were murdered. It was a murder-suicide, and, uh, and it was absolutely devastating. I was coming home from work, and Marcy called me and said, there's cops and helicopters everywhere. It's just crazy. It feels like we're in a movie. Um, and it happens in our own neighborhood. There's brokenness all around us. Um, just this last uh, week, there was a, a student at Cronodosol High School that committed suicide. Um, over the last year, uh, one of my favorite comedians, Robin Williams, committed suicide. Uh, you, could be, um, you, could be an, you could be a high school student that is completely alone and an outcast. You could be a celebrity that's extremely successful and wealthy in both of them Um, could be so lonely and broken that they would take their own life. The truth is, everyone needs compassion. Everyone is going through difficult times. And as a church, we help each other overcome hardship. As a church, God's people had this Proverbs um, that I I love. I just want to read it. It says, The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. We talk about this word poor. We talk about the word poverty. Um, oftentimes our mind goes to physical poverty. Um, but the truth is there's all different kinds of forms of poverty. 
People are emotionally uh, in poverty. People are relationally in poverty. People are spiritually in poverty. In a church, um, uh, uh, the people of God, righteous people, care about justice for those uh, who are poor. Proverbs 31.8 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speaking up for those who cannot speak for themselves. As we overcome hardship as a church, as we, as we try to uh, reach this community, we have to speak up for those uh, who have no voice. Some of the things that we do, like with uh, the, uh, the food distribution that's coming up in June, um, is a simple act. Um, it's an event. It's something we can compartmentalize. And it's a great event. We want you all to join in to do it. Um, but what we want is that our DNA as a church, as people, um, is to be uh, constantly speaking up for those who have no voice and constantly looking out uh, for the needs of those who are in poverty in its many forms. We have to be a place that helps people overcome hardship. In the book of Acts, the message is so appealing and it's spreading and it's growing rapidly because they're walking hand in hand with those who are in poverty in its many forms. Um, if we want to multiply as a church our influence, we have to be with those who are broken. And then finally, the fifth mark that I think is evident both in Acts and here is that a multiplying church, church takes calculated risks for kingdom expansion. We want to be a courageous church. And in Acts, what we find is that they're extremely courageous in how they approach life. Um, we know how the church comes to, from uh, the Middle East and Asia into Europe. There's this crazy story about uh, the Apostle Paul. And it says that he's trying to go into Asia Minor to kind of spread the influence of the church. And for whatever reason, he's not able to go in there. And he's trying to figure out, you know, what do I do next? Where do I go next? And he has this dream one night. And in this dream, this man comes to him and speaks to him and he says, I think you should bring the gospel over here to Europe. So Paul wakes up the next day and he tells his companions, I had this dream and we're going to Europe. So they cross the Aegean Sea, which is this extremely dangerous sea. It's where the Odyssey takes place. And Paul takes the message of Jesus into Europe on the dream that he had one night. And what we find is when he gets to Europe, he meets all sorts of opposition in Acts chapter 16. But then he also is able to connect with these different people and, and they become Christians and Christianity spreads throughout Europe because he's able to take this risk. He does it off of a dream. I wouldn't say it's a real calculated risk. Um, but we want to be the kind of people that it's, uh, we want our, our influence in the kingdom of God to expand beyond our walls. So we want to be about expansion in different ways. Um, and so we are the product of uh, a church that started um, in downtown Phoenix back in 1907. And as the city grew, the church grew, and uh, eventually that church moved up to North Phoenix. Um, and uh, over its history of the last 100 years, it started different churches in Phoenix. Um, we now have something like, I think, 14 or 15 churches in the city and 22 uh, to 24 churches in the state. Um, and uh, the church that started us was always very passionate about church planting. And so as we've come here to plant a church, this community, to start something new, to be kind of on the, the ground uh, level to, to build it, um, our thought is that this isn't where we stop. This is probably where I'll stop because I want to pastor this community for the next 30 years. But we already want to be a part of more church planting in our city. And so we want to be a part of a church uh, that not just plants a church, but plants 
churches. Um, and so what, some of the risks that we take is that over the next five to seven years, we're going to be a part of these different church plants that are popping up all over our city. And we want that to be in our DNA, that we are a multiplying, reproducing church because we believe that the church is God's assault on evil in this world. Um, and so even as we start to grow uh, here and uh, gain influence and, uh, and make a difference here, um, our minds and thoughts are ready to uh, starting more churches. Um, and we want to do that from the beginning. It never is just about us, but it's about what God's doing in his kingdom here in the city and throughout the world. So a church that multiplies has to be willing to take those kind of calculated risks. Um, calculated risk is why uh, Marcy and I had this dream to kind of come to Desert Ridge, and many of you did too. And we knew there weren't a lot of churches here, and so we wanted to form this community. Um, and we want this place to grow and to thrive, and we have great plans for the kind of church we want to be here. But we want to be connected with this movement that's starting more churches throughout the city. We believe that a church that multiplies is able to take calculated risks. We want to be a courageous church in everything that we do. And, it, and what we find is that in Acts, they're willing to do that. In Acts, the Apostle Paul's willing to go from Asia to Europe to start more churches. And that the churches that, uh, that he's starting are all connected. There's this kind of family that they're all a part of, uh, where they're encouraging each other and strengthening each other. Um, and that's what we want to be here, too, with our own tribe, a church that's connected with other churches that's planting more churches. So when we think about these marks of a planting church, um, just to review, these churches are unified around a bit of mission, which is Jesus. We want to be a Jesus church here at Desert City. We want to be a Jesus people. We want to be empowered by the Spirit. We want to be a presence-driven church in everything that we do. The Spirit of God would be with us. We want to be a church that's committed to the one another passages, that lives in meaningful community, in healthy, meaningful community. We want to be a one another church. We want to be a church that overcomes hardship. We want to be a justice-driven church that's in touch with the needs and brokenness of our city. And then finally, we want to be a church that's courageous, a courageous church that takes calculated risks. When we see the church grow in Acts, when we see what the church has done in China, we believe that the church can do the same thing here in our own city, that we can grow in our influence, um, and that we could be an assault on evil in our city, and that we can flash light into the darkness. Um, so as we uh, kind of close our time today, a couple things to think about. Um, some of you are a part of uh, what we're doing here, and, uh, and you're in. Some of you might be new. Um, but what is your experience with church? What is your experience with church? Um, what, what have you been a part of in the past? What is your upbringing? What have you come out of? Has it been good? Has it been bad? Has it been an assault on evil? Has it been something that compels you to give your life to it? Um, kind of reflect on that. And also, if you're interested in kind of joining what we're doing here and you haven't kind of said, this is my home church. Uh, what that means uh, is we kind of ask three things from people. The first is to pray, pray for the church, pray for the community. Um, the second is to participate in the life of the church, um, to, to join in with what we're doing, whether it's on Sunday morning or throughout the week. And the third would be to, to give, uh, give of yourself, 
Give of your time, give of your resources, give of uh, your gifts and abilities. And it's that simple. And if you do that, um, you can call this home. And so maybe you haven't decided that this, you want to make this your home church, um, but we'd love to hear if that's what you're interested in. And then the third thing to think about, so kind of what has your experience with church been? And then kind of what is your role here? Are you ready to dive in? And if not, that's totally fine. The third thing is what is God uh, calling from you in your own life? When you think about kind of the kingdom of God and, and you being a disciple of Jesus trying to get to know him better, what is God doing in your life right now? Um, does that play out in the context of this community or something else? Um, what is God doing and stirring inside of you? We close each uh, Sunday with communion. And when we take communion, uh, we remember the work that God has done in the world, both uh, the work that was done for us on the cross and also the work that's being done in us to renew us. Um, and we, we move kind of the end of each service to this time of communion to remember and reflect what God is doing. So Matt's going to come up and close us with a song. And, uh, and my hope today is that you would kind of reflect on, on these things. We want to be a multiplying church here. We would love for you to join in uh, with what we're doing as we try to grow and influence so that we can assault evil in this community. Um, if you'd like to chat with, uh, with me, um, kind of about these things that God's stirring in your heart, I'd love to talk to you and, and share more. Um, and maybe you just want to process, maybe you just want to uh, allow God to speak to you and, um, and wrestle with that for a bit, and that's fine too. Um, but our hope is to be a church that flashes light into the darkness, a church that assaults evil, and we can't do that without you. So let's pray, and then we're going to take some time for communion. Um, and then uh, Matt's going to dismiss us. So, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for uh, this story in the book of Acts where we see um, just unbelievable influence that these people who are committed to this cause um, of your love have and how this message spreads throughout the Roman Empire as they grow in influence, Lord. And as, as we're here as this new church, Lord, as we're um, just eight months in, we know that we're a part of this story that's 2,000 years old. We're a part of the story of your church, of your people, who have been blessed so that they may be a blessing to communities. And so, Lord, we just want to unite around this cause of you. Everything that we do, Lord, we want to center it around who you are. And Lord, we just ask for your spirit to empower us as your people. Lord, we just ask that uh, we would not only have this meaningful encounter with you, Lord, but that we would uh, have meaningful encounters with each other. That our relationships would be healthy, that we would uh, grow uh, in our friendships so that we could share life together. And Lord, we want to be a place that helps people overcome hardship. So we ask that we would have eyes to see the brokenness around us, that we would have ears to hear those uh, who are crying out that we would have a voice to speak up for those who have no voice, Lord. That we'd be a church that uh, is committed to justice. And Lord, I just pray that we would be a courageous church. That we'd be a church that is willing to take risks for the kingdom. That would have a, a local impact, Lord, but also a global impact. That this would be a special place that uh, eventually is launching other churches. Um, 
So Lord, we just pray for courage. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, stir inside all of our hearts a calling, whether it's here or just for your kingdom, Lord, that you would call us, that we'd be a multiplying church, that we would respond. Lord, we give you this time. We remember what you've done as we break this bread that represents your body that was broken for us, as we take the juice, the cup, that represents your blood that was poured out, Lord. We remember these things. Uh, We remember what you've done for us and what you're doing in us. And Lord, we just ask that we would be uh, your disciples, that we would do the same. That we would break ourselves open, that we'd pour ourselves out to bring healing to this broken world. We give you this time. In your son's name we pray. Amen.